This is the Productivity Minute, episode 16. This is a special episode of the Productivity Minute. As you know, and if you don't, you can tell from the name, this podcast offers simple, short messages to those interested in developing the productivity of themselves or their organisation. This is a significantly longer episode than normal. It contains most of an address by Tom Tuttle, who, at the time, was president of the World Academy of Productivity Science. The address was to those attending an International Productivity Symposium and Awards Ceremony in Beijing, China, organised by the Chinese Association of Productivity Science, one of the network partners of the World Confederation of Productivity Science. Some of Tom's remarks were aimed at the board of the Confederation, but there was sufficient generically applicable content that we thought it worth recording in this podcast. Unfortunately, the quality of the recording isn't high, but the message is strong and important, so we hope you find it worthwhile. We will be back soon in our simple, short form. In the meantime, here is Tom Tuttle. During a series of recent interviews that I was privileged to conduct for some of you here in the room, uh, working with uh, Mr. Chen and Katz, we could see how this knowledge diffusion works. For example, we saw joint ventures between Chinese firms and leading European and North American firms. We saw how Chinese firms had become world-class suppliers through improving customer-supplier relationships in the global supply chain. We also saw how leaders of the most productive firms in a Chinese industry, for example, glassmaking, became leaders of industry associations that encouraged the diffusion of knowledge and best practices among less productive firms in the industry. And finally, we saw how a common software platform in the food import-export business became an effective knowledge-sharing mechanism among buyers and sellers across the industry. A core of Stiglitz's argument is that government action is required to create learning societies. In his terms, sharing for what, for the academy, would mean the sharing of efficient methods of learning how to learn, which enables a society to become a learning society. Government action is required because knowledge is a public good and private markets are not effective in creating and allocating public goods such as knowledge. If anything, private markets are more effective in reducing the sharing of knowledge in order to reduce competition. The second model we must consider as we seek to improve the effectiveness of knowledge sharing for the academy has been provided by the work of one of our fellows. Dr. Deshi Lu. Dr. Lu's associate, uh, Chen Chen, uh, Wan, is here today and will be inducted as a fellow representing uh, Dr. Lu and his work. Dr. Lu's book, The Collective Sharing Civilization, explains his vision for what is required for humanity to address the range of severe problems facing our world. Problems such as climate change, chronic poverty, 
terrorism, and economic inequality all threaten the stability of the world. No single nation can by itself solve these global problems. Furthermore, it is in the interest of all nations to create and implement effective solutions to these issues. As I have explored Dr. Wu's work, I am reminded of an image that made the point for me at a very young age, really, that all passengers on spaceship Earth are all in the same boat together. The image was the photo of Earth taken from the moon by the first Apollo astronauts who landed on the moon. It was impossible to view this photo without realizing, perhaps for the first time in my life, how all creatures on this planet are interconnected. Dr. Liu proposes a vision of how members within a collective sharing civilization work together to address the problems that threaten all of us. However, before the collective sharing civilization can become a global reality, it is necessary to break down the obstacles that hinder sharing and collective action. We also know that, that sharing between individuals and nations requires trust. We also know that trust between individuals grows over time as there is a realization and acceptance that they have shared values. The same is true for nations, but the process is more complicated. But therefore, it is in the interest of all people and all nations to identify and articulate their shared core values. This is an essential step in building the collective sharing civilization. As the April interview trip that I mentioned earlier ended in Chengdu with a presentation to a university class, I was asked to speak on the topic of regional economic development, which was the topic of a recent book that I wrote called Growing Jobs, Transforming the Way We Approach Economic Development. The book talks about a value-centered approach to economic and community development. At the end of my presentation, a young doctoral student seated in the front row raised her hands and said, thank you for the presentation. However, you only address macro issues. I am interested in more micro questions. She said, what do you believe will be the impact of the U.S.-China relationship on regional economic development? <clears throat> my first reaction was, why couldn't she ask me an easy question? My second reaction was, I wish I knew the answer to that question, but I don't. However, I applaud her question, and I take her boldness to be symbolic of a China that is moving more aggressively into the world with its Belt and Road foreign policy. Answering the student's question in the context of our present consideration of more effective knowledge sharing triggers some additional questions regarding any nation's policies toward global development. None of us know how the U.S.-China relationship will develop. I wish I knew who would be the President of the United States after 2020. I think we have more certainty regarding who will be the leader of China after 2020. But regardless of the leaders, there are some questions that we should ask any policy that impacts national productivity development or regional and global development. The three models that we have discussed, seed productivity, 
Learning societies and the collective sharing of civilization can serve to tee up or raise these questions. The first question we could ask is global policy simultaneously enhance social, economic, and environmental productivity. We cannot choose one or two of the three productivity dimensions. We must choose policies that simultaneously enhance all three. The second question is, will the new policy, for example, Belt and Road, serve as an effective way for China to help its client nations and itself move toward becoming learning societies? The third question is, will the policy help move the region and the world closer to becoming a collective sharing civilization? If I had another chance to answer the doctoral student's questions, I would have done it with these three questions. Following this board meeting, I will step down as the president of the World Academy of Productivity Science. So I would like to conclude my remarks today with some observations and suggestions for the way forward for the Academy. I would like to pass the torch to a yet unnamed successor with the challenge to accelerate our movement toward a collective sharing civilization. It is my view that Dr. Lewis's collective sharing civilization view effectively incorporates the notion of both sea productivity as well as Stiglitz's concept of the learning society. It also uh, incorporates and is grounded in a win-win view of the world, and it provides the focus on sharing knowledge that is the most powerful productivity driver. Dr. Liu's vision is quite a stretch, and I recognize that it will take years to evolve closer to this vision. However, I firmly believe that WCPS and WAPS conceptually are well positioned to make progress toward this vision, but there are five things I believe that we must do. And now I'm talking to I'm sorry, talk to the leaders of the board of, of the World Academy of Productivity Science and the World Confederation of Productivity Science. First, I think we need to develop absolute clarity on our vision and mission. We are the World Academy of Productivity Science. Productivity science development and deployment is our mission, not just productivity movements. Productivity science essentially is knowledge. And it is useless unless it is deployed to people whose behavior changes and become more effective by the new knowledge. Our job is to effectively capture and deploy the knowledge of productivity science through policymakers in government, industry, academia, and the not-for-profit sector in order to lead them to choose to change their behavior. Second, to drive strategies in support of this mission, we need to strengthen our board and our offices. Third, we need to continue to define and implement high-leverage strategies such as World Productivity Congresses. So we must examine how we execute these congresses with a clear eye on our mission. Fourth, we must also pursue partnerships and collaboration with global organizations such as Dr. Lu's Huamin Foundation and its network of foundations and research partners. We also need to seek partners
partners who can increase our leverage, such as the United Nations, but assure that these partners share our values. And fifth, we must grow our resources. This will cause us to pursue additional commercialization strategies to raise revenue. However, the key to many commercialization strategies for a not-for-profit organization like WCPS is to maintain a focus on our mission and values and avoid commercialization that steers us away from the reasons that we exist. One of my hopes is that moving these five action areas will lead us to an even stronger relationship in the future with the China Association of Productivity Science and other visionary national productivity and innovation organizations around the world. In this way, we can significantly contribute to moving the world closer to Dr. Liu's vision of the collective sharing civilization. Thank you very much for being here. Congratulations to the old and new fellows who are represented here. And thank you for your attention and support of these ideas. It has been an honor and a privilege to serve as the Vice President and to have the opportunity to work with such a group of inspiring and committed colleagues like the one sitting here in front of me. I would also like to thank the China Association of Productivity Science for making it possible for us to hold this event and for supporting our board as we work to invent the future for WCPS and WAPS. Thank you very much. The Productivity Minute was brought to you by the Institute of Productivity. Go to www.instituteofproductivity.com for more information. Mm -hmm.